0: In the name in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. <coughs> Christ is in, is in our midst. How shall I start? Today's reading in the Gospel is from the Gospel of Saint John. As most of you have noticed, that since Pascha, actually beginning at Pascha. We began with the Gospel of John, and almost all of the daily readings have been from the Gospel of John. The church chooses this, I suppose, because the Gospel of John is so intimate, and Christ having been raised and having been given to us, that he might live and dwell in us, the Gospel of John gives us the most intimate look um, at the life of Jesus is filled with his words, words that come from his heart. Now, John chapter 14 through 17, if you have the red letter edition of the Bible, are almost entirely red letters because it is almost entirely the Lord's words. As he speaks to his disciples, apparently in the upper room, immediately after the mystical supper that he inaugurated with them, before he went out to pray in Gethsemane, and this we read today is from the very, very last part of that. There are so many deep and profound words in there. I didn't know where to start to know what to tell you. And so I heard somewhere that someone um, should never preach from anything, They should only preach what they know. That doesn't leave a lot of room for me. So I will try to preach. Uh, a message from this gospel about things that I can be confident of. Now this Sunday, and every Sunday as you know, is a celebration of the resurrection. And it is a little unusual this week, I think, because we are singing hymns from the feast day that was on Thursday. So while we are celebrating the resurrection like a normal Sunday, we are also celebrating and commemorating the ascension. And if you listen to some of the hymns of Vespers last night or Orthros this morning, it also is casting our minds forward to the great feast we'll celebrate next Sunday, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Now, in this context, in this commemoration of Christ's great love for us, I have a question for you. A question you've probably heard before Are you saved? Have you all heard this before? You know, I I don't think I've heard it as much lately as I used to in the late 70s and 80s. But if you've traveled along very many highways, you're liable to come across a billboard that says, are you saved? Do you have eternal life? Now, before I was Orthodox, that was easy. I would say a resounding yes. And now, if someone were to ask me that as an Orthodox Christian, The question is, the answer would be, well, how much time do you have? (laughs) Because truly, we have salvation because the Lord has accomplished it. This Sunday reminds us, in the words of the gospel, that Christ has accomplished everything for our peace, our life, our health, and our salvation. Jesus says, and this is eternal life, and this is salvation, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus says today in the gospel also that he accomplished the work which you, Father, gave me to do. And what was that work? That work was to save us, to give us eternal life. On the cross, just the next day after he said these words, Jesus says, it is finished. What is finished? The entire work of salvation was accomplished on the cross and in his third day, resurrection. What is eternal life? What is salvation? It is knowing God. Jesus says in today's gospel, I have manifested your name, That is, I have shown them who you are. I have revealed them to you. I have manifested your name. Everything you are that I can communicate, that can be communicated to them, has been given to them in me. This is eternal life, that they should know you and Jesus Christ. Everything we need to know for our salvation is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Now at the very end of the chapter, which we didn't read today, Jesus finishes his prayer and says, Righteous Father, I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So if I haven't made the message clear at this point, Our salvation is to know our God, Jesus Christ, to know him. Jesus has initiated our salvation. He has brought us into a saving relationship. He has made himself God. He has made himself knowable to us. But what does it mean to know? You see, a relationship... It's not a one-way street. While Christ has done everything, there are things that we must do. Relationships are worked out in our hearts. St. Paul exhorts us in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your eternal life with fear and trembling. Work out your knowledge of God with fear and trembling. Work out your relationship with Christ in fear and trembling. With all seriousness in fear and trembling. Now I added a few layers there to St. Paul's words. Father Zacharias in one of his books says the great great tragedy of our time is that we live in our heads. We speak, we think and we even pray outside of our hearts for us to know our God we must engage our relationship with him from our hearts we must engage our hearts But do any of you guys have a sense that we spend so much time in our heads that our hearts seem hard to find, hard to access so how shall we engage our hearts, how shall we cultivate a heart relationship with Jesus Christ so that we can know him and that we can be saved by him. What is our part? What is our part in knowing Christ our God? How can we prove to God and ourselves that we truly love him? It is not news to say that we are profoundly affected by the inputs that we put into our lives. How we think and how we live are very much affected by the things we put in, the things we allow in, the things we take in. Do you agree? How much are we putting in? I mean, it seems like there's a barrage of information, of entertainment, of ideas from the news, from the world in our pockets. That's a phone. It used to be this. But there are so many inputs, and we are constantly flooded. No wonder we are in our heads all the time because we are asked to engage with so many things all the time. If we have those inputs, and perhaps we have some control over those inputs in a relationship with Jesus Christ, what can we put into it? What inputs can we put in? There are three things in our power that I'd like to remind you of, and they're nothing new. You've probably heard me say them before. Number one is prayer. We can pray. Or can we? Has anybody here struggled with prayer? It, it is the hardest thing that I do. And really, I, I really can't say very much about it because I feel like I've only just begun to pray. But prayer if it is to really be prayer, is exactly this, to engage our hearts, to offer ourselves to Christ. It requires patience and perseverance. It requires honesty and humility. And yet, how many of you thought to yourself, I don't really have time to pray? And prayer is hard. And this is maybe why it's easy to not have time for prayer because there's a lot of other easy things for us to do. And those easy things are compelling, and prayer is hard work. And even when we show up for prayer, even when we stand before our icons and we say our prayers out of a book, we still struggle because our thoughts go elsewhere. And even if they don't, even if we manage for a few minutes to have undistracted prayer, the evil one speaks to us with doubts. There's no one there. I'm not really there's no one there. There's no one listening. And because our prayers are weak and we're beginners, we we lose faith. And our prayers become short. And it becomes harder and harder for us to go back to I don't know very much, but I'm pretty sure that we cannot be saved unless we can pray. Father Zacharias, in one of his books, paraphrasing Saint Silouan of Mount Athos, he said, "Prayer is a matter of love. Man expresses his love through prayer, and if we pray, it is an indication that we love God. If we do not pray, this indicates." that we do not love God for the measure of our prayer is the measure of our love for God. So if we need to pray more, if we need to grow in prayer, we obviously need to learn to love God more, to love God above all. So if that isn't incentive and inspiration and motivation for us to persevere in prayer, I wish I could say something else it would be. But the fathers tell us we learn to pray by praying. So the best thing in our role is to show up. And if we keep showing up and we keep persevering, God meets us. So pray. Number two, you should read God's word the Holy Scriptures, and especially the Gospel. Jesus says in the Gospel today, in his prayer to his Father, For I have given them your words, which you gave me, and they receive them, and they know the truth. Jesus said to us in another place in the Gospel, If you love me, you will obey my commands. How can we obey him, if we don't know what he said. Paul exhorts us, I can't remember where, he says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Now, if we devote ourselves to reading the word of God with attention, then the word of God can begin to dwell in us richly. And what does it mean for it to dwell in us richly? The fathers of the church say that when we have the word of God, and we hold on to it. The Holy Spirit will bring scriptures or passages or little pieces to mind to assist us in our prayers, to give us comfort, and to remind us of His great love for us in the midst of our daily life. Jesus says today in the Gospel, These things I speak in the world, that is my word, they I speak these things in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. If we are dedicated to the scriptures, we can be sure that God will bring us joy. The very purpose of scripture is that we may know Christ, not just about him, we may know him and be saved. That we can be comforted, we can have joy. He made himself known to him. He made himself known to us. So as it says at the end of John 17, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. That's two. Can you guess what three is? Number three. Be devoted to the liturgy. We must... Attend and engage our hearts when we're in the liturgy. When we are in the liturgy, like no other place, we are face to face with Christ. It's his body to our body. It is his blood to our blood. And in the liturgy we experience, experience, we can experience, an intimacy that there is no substitute for. Alexander, Father Alexander Schmemann of Blessed Memory, says that we should live our lives suspended between liturgies, holding on to the the grace of one and reaching out to the grace of the next one. Living our lives in anticipation of what God is going to do and remembrance of what God has already done. In my mind, I see monkey bars that we should live our lives in spiritual liturgical monkey bars where we are holding on to one and then reaching for the next. And we are making the rhythm of our life centered around the church and around the holy liturgy. Face to face, body to body, his blood to our blood. Here in the liturgy is where Jesus Christ makes himself most fully known to us. And it's too much to grasp in just one liturgy, so we should go to liturgy all the time. But it's the same every time. Because here we are being saved, and here we are gaining eternal life. The Divine Liturgy is nothing less than an exchange of life God's infinite life for our little one, says Father Zacharias. Here we offer our poor selves and in return he gives us his love, his life, himself. And this is salvation. This is eternal life. We should come with the expectation that Christ who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it as long as we are reaching out to him so that we might know him. Father Zacharias one more time. He says, If we turn to the living God and we accept his word, ardently desiring to see the face of the Lord, he will enlighten us and begin his work of salvation. We will embark on an adventure with God. And all we need is the desire to know him together with a little humility. This desire... The expressions of our desire, praying, reading the scripture, devotion to the liturgy. This desire is the small part that we offer up to God in faith. And without our part, God will not act. To our small part, though, he then adds his infinitely greater part, that is his grace, which enlarges our hearts and saves us my brothers and sisters in Christ, I can say for myself and I would guess for almost all of us that we need to pray more. That we need to make room in our lives for reading of the scriptures in a serious saving way. And that we need, most of us, to be attending liturgy as often and as fully and as heartfelt as we possibly can so that one day we will be able to say I'm saved because we are